And again, good evening. It's good to see everyone here. Uh, as I always say, it's always good to be among the faithful. And um, I really enjoy our, our evening gathering together on the Lord's Day. Um, just bow, me, bow with me in a, in a word of prayer. Oh, Father, we just thank you for your word, the power that it is, the power to salvation, but it also directs our paths, Lord. We pray that as we open your word and we consider it, that indeed we would be continually filled with your spirit, that as we relate to one another and we go out into the world, your love would be in us and shine through us, that all would know that we are yours by your love. Just bless this time together, Lord. We just ask that you bless it. And may you be glorified. Through Christ's name we pray. Amen. I surrender all. Do we really surrender all? Or do we just, because we're familiar with the hymn, we sing it? I really enjoyed the choices that you made, Tillman, because that ties in perfectly with um, what I wanted to speak about tonight. And really the verse that I'm using should be no secret to anyone, no surprise. I think everyone here has probably read it many times. But it's always good to be reminded, no matter how faithful we are, how knowledgeable we think we may be, it's always good to be reminded. Um, I can always, um, oh boy, I'll tell you a little story before I go any further. And I really needed, really, really, really needed to pray just now. Because this evening, Denise asked me, what time are you going to leave home to get to church? I said, I'm going to leave at quarter to six. I'll be at church at least quarter after. And then she leaves the house, she goes to her dad, she calls and says, Paul, I need you to do this and do this for me because I forgot it. So I had to leave even earlier. So I did. I left in loads of time. Got to Denise, proud husband, delivered the goods, left. So I took the shortest route that I knew through Oaksfield. What's happening in Oaksfield? The road's blocked. There's some parade or something. <laughs> so I go through the back way. I know all these back roads through by Whitley's old school. I hit Boyd Road, it's blocked, because the parade is all the way back there. So I have to go down to Bay Street, come around, but I get here at exactly the time that I wanted to get here originally. Anyway, and I open my briefcase, my notes for the sermon, they aren't there. So, but I brought this. I was sitting there while Ethan was singing, getting ready to go, machine wouldn't recognize my password. <laughs> <laughs> then when it did, it was upside down. And just now it cut off. <laughs> so I said, well, really, what I have to say must be important. It's the word of God. I'd just like to read Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Look carefully then how you walk not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Does that remind you of any times? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. And I read that from the um, English Standard Version. Paul was addressing this letter to the Ephesian church, but a lot of this is repeated in letters to the other churches in the New Testament. So let's take special note. Because he's addressing issues that he saw and needed to be addressed in those churches. And those issues are just as relevant today as they were yesterday. And he's really talking here a lot about behavior. Earlier in the, in the chapter, he gave the theological basis for all of this. And now he's saying, therefore, because this actually, in, if you look at some verses, it starts with therefore. Therefore do this. And he's saying, look carefully how you walk. And he uses Paul as a lawyer. He uses words very carefully. So really, when you read Paul's letters, look at every single word because it means something. Look carefully. This is important. How you walk. Walk, he's using an analogy. How you order your steps. And he's saying this because walking isn't just a one-time event. It's something that you keep on doing. Because if you aren't moving, you aren't walking anymore. You stop. You're doing something else. So as you walk, look carefully how you walk. And he's talking about our walk, our spiritual walk, our obedience. When we talk about I surrender all, are we surrendering all? So be careful. And the reason why he says be careful is because there's a reason we have to be careful. There are things occurring that will cause us to stumble, to stop walking, to walk in the wrong direction. So don't be fooled. I don't care how much knowledge you've got, how strong you think your prayer life is, still be careful how you walk. We can't, be, we can't afford to be careless how we walk because we will stumble. And actually, let me back up a bit. This verse and all that I have to say ties in with our Sunday school lesson because we've got a Sunday school program in our church at the moment, which I think is an excellent one. But what it allows is for everyone on any given Lord's Day to be studying the same thing in the Sunday school. And they even sermon notes that assist with this so that the entire church body can be studying the same thing. So if you think you aren't very well equipped to answer your, your um, child's questions, if you attend the Sunday school lesson, you will, because you'll be studying the same thing that your children did. So when they say mom and dad, and they're trying to make mom and dad look as if they don't have too much knowledge, you say, well, son, oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Good. What do you think of this? And if you want to see a jaw drop, 
I'll be a jaw dropper. The um, moral of that story is please attend Sunday school. Um, but back to the back to the lesson. We need to make sure that we order our steps properly. And we need to be aware of the things that we ought to be doing to make sure we are walking properly. Don't be distracted. When I taught this lesson this morning in Sunday school, a hand went up and a young man said, he's actually wearing slippers. And he said, you know, Pastor Paul, interesting you said that because this week I bucked my toe. Now, there's this lady in front of me. I was looking at this lady, and then I bucked my toe. I said, well, I hope you learned your lesson. But to all of us, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. The devil is out there with all sorts of lies, distractions, things that look good. Stay focused. We've surrendered ourselves to the Lord. He will take care of us. Be directed by him. Don't get off the path. I mean, if he's paved the road... Why you got to go on the sidewalk? It don't make sense. It makes absolutely no sense. And things that look sweet, especially if they look sweet, sweet, check them out. Don't be so comfortable. See what's happening? You know, the Lord knows everything. And the Lord knows about technology. And it won't happen this time. Um... Make sure that we stay in step with Jesus Christ. Be deliberate in your thought life. Be deliberate in what you do. I'll give you a little scenario that happened to me this week. And don't think that only how you relate to other Christians is important. Or even how you relate to non-believers is important. Because they're going to see something. The way that you walk, when I, I literally mean walk, can make a difference. People are watching all of us. On my way to work one day last week, there's a police officer walking down the road in Coral Harbor. I picked him up because I figured, you know, living in Coral Harbor, it's going to be a long walk to anywhere. So this fellow needed a ride. So I gave him a ride. We were talking about all sorts of things. My father was on the police force, so we had something in common. But along the way, he said, oh, this truck, this truck is familiar. Oh, last week, you were parked in the middle of the road, right? By that, um, by that house, by the, by the island. And this lady pulled in in a gold CRV, short lady, bright lady, good looking. And she was waiting for the gate to open. And then you followed her in. Now, I had no idea there was, this actually happened now. I had no idea there was anyone on our street at that point in time. This was after dark, about nine o'clock. But he was able to relate everything that we did, every single thing that we did. People are watching us. That could have been a police officer. It could have been a crooked police officer. It could have been a burglar. It could have been anybody. But the way I relate to Brother Wenley, whether I know him or not, and someone sees our interaction, that's part of our witness. And it doesn't only have to affect us here in this country. Can you imagine tourism is our big industry? Someone from Lebanon comes here, 
comes to visit uh, on business, and for some reason, he's dragged into Calvary Bible Church. And he sees the way we react with each other. And he decides, you know, one day, I have a choice. How am I going to treat these Christian people? Well, we see what's happening in the Middle East with ISIS. Will he be attracted to the Christian way of life, to a radical Muslim way of life, by what we do? Order your steps. But don't order your steps just because you're going to protect your way of life. Order your steps because you love the Lord. And please forgive me. I will keep on talking. Um, and the only way that we will know how to order our steps as Christians is to be knowledgeable in the Lord's will. Because the reference here says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And how are we going to understand the will of the Lord is if we aren't reading it, if we aren't associating with like-minded people? Make sure that our lifestyle is one that encourages us, that allows us to know what the will of the Lord is. But for these days, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, in the Greek, this doesn't really refer to the hours, the minutes, the days. It's really talking about the opportunities that the Lord gives us to be obedient to him. Every moment that we live and breathe, we have an opportunity to represent Jesus Christ. Make it count. And this isn't Paul world speaking. This is what the scripture is saying. Make the best use of the time. Not the convenient use or the comfortable use of the time. The best use of the time. So when you're sitting down after a hard day at work and you figure, I deserve to watch the game or to watch the news. It's not the best use of your time. If you're a parent, do you want to be modeling a godly lifestyle in front of your children. It might be at that time. Okay, man, don't kill me. Help the wife with the dishes. Show her love. Show love. Let's not be selfish in what we do. Call up someone and say, how are you doing? Not because you want to be able to tell your friend, well, boy, they're doing really poorly, but because you sincerely want to help. You may want to pray with them, provide them real assistance. That's the lifestyle that we as Christians, we ought to be demonstrating. The days are evil. Let's not be part of that evil. Let's be the light in that darkness of evil. The days are evil, they were then, they were, the days were evil then, the days are evil now. And, there, and also he says, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish. How did Jesus describe the wise and the foolish? The wise listened to what he said and did what he said. The foolish disobeyed him. 
same thing applies to us. This is not rocket science. If we obey the word, we are wise. And that's what we're instructed to do. If we disobey the word, we're being foolish. And we are going to reap the consequences. When I was in high school at QC, we had a principal there, Mr. Middleton. And he would stand up in front of everybody. And he'd call some of the bad boys up. And he would say, you know in life, there are no rewards or punishments. Merely consequences. And you know after that, he's going to tell somebody to bend over. But in life, there are consequences to every action. Be wise in our actions. Do not be foolish. We are ambassadors for Christ. Do not allow ourselves to embarrass the name of Christ. People are looking at us, and the only Christ they see may be us for that time. Nothing that we do is in secret. Forget about it. It's going to come to the fore, and we're going to have to come for it. Let's be able to stand up with our heads high and defend our actions by being Christ-like. If the world says you're wrong, you're stupid, you're foolish, we surrender to our Savior. If he approves of it, that's the only thing we need to know. And you should be able to take comfort in that. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. There's a lot here. Obviously, there was a problem with a bit of tipple in the Ephesian church. And some of them were getting drunk. But what is your wine? What is my wine? Is it alcohol? Is it some other drug? Is it power? Is it money? What are we addicted to? What are we putting before our service to the Lord? What makes us high? Is it Christ? Is it the Holy Spirit working in us? Or is it something else? Is it how good we look? How great we sing? How much people bow down before us? How difficult we can make life for other people? So that we look good? What is our debauchery? I can't examine you. You examine yourself. I have a responsibility to examine. I have a responsibility to examine myself and avoid that debauchery. Do not get drunk with wine. Whatever it is, it causes reckless behavior. Behavior that is not uplifting and it, it isn't worthy of someone who is supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're out of control, which means you aren't being controlled by the Holy Spirit, then you're being controlled by something else. Believe me, you will be controlled by something. As Christians, we have this fantastic resource, this amazing resource, the Holy Spirit, left just for us, nobody else, just for us. Don't waste it. And when it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, it isn't talking about that event at the time of salvation. We are continually being filled. We're supposed to be continually being filled. There's so much of the Holy Spirit, we can never use it up. 
Refer to the word. Be in fellowship with other believers. Strengthening one another, encouraging one another so that when we face the evil in our times, we are strong in the Lord. We are able to. We won't do it on our own. That's why we are here to support one another. We are resources for each other. When we live under the influence of the Spirit, we will not be seeking our own gratification. We will have great joy in serving others. We will be developing the body of Christ. And the thing is, when we develop the body of Christ, we can't help but be developed ourselves. That's the way it works. And this is not accidental. This is our God, our awesome God, working in our lives. Now, the day that the Model T can tell Henry Ford how to fix it and how it works will be the day when we can start to ignore this. But it's nonsensical of us to think that we can advise God how we should live our lives for our greatest benefit. I mean, how many times have we decided that whether knowingly or not, you know what, Lord? You can't handle this. I need to handle this one. I'll take care of it. Right? When something else comes up, maybe you can handle that one, but I need to handle this one my way. It's only I understand all the issues. And I'm guilty of this. I can tell you, I mess it up. And then I go crawling to the Lord, oh dear Lord, please help me. Well, okay, he does help me, he does forgive me, but there's still consequences that I could have avoided. Let us be wise, let's not be foolish. Let us allow ourselves to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. The next verse says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. When we sing and recite the psalms, we sing songs, whether they're hymns or the rock music or the Christian reggae or whatever we call it, whatever genre you call it, it isn't for really primarily our benefit. Yes, it is for our benefit. It is first for those in the body. But actually, let me step back. Least of all, it's us. Then it's for the rest of us in the body. But most of all, and again, it's not poor, Making melody to the Lord with your heart. It's for praise and the honor of our Lord. So if you're in the choir and you're blessed with a great voice, 
Don't think you're out there just to sound good or sound better than everyone else in the choir. You're there to praise the Lord. When you decide, and churches have been split, destroyed, I mean, just beat up over this issue. And we don't sing enough hymns. We don't sing enough of this contemporary music. We don't sing enough of this. We don't do whatever. What are we singing and who are we singing for? Who are we praising? Is it just for us to feel good? Be able to wave our hand or to move this way and to move that way? No. There's an order to this. It's for the praise and the glory of God. It's for the upliftment of the saints. And when that happens, we benefit also. When others are first, we benefit. That's a principle that goes throughout Scripture. Paul tries to, I mean, in every letter he tries to bring this over. He talks about unity, and he talks about serving one another. Giving thanks always, and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Another behavior. How many of us say grace before we eat our meals? No matter where we are. Even in a restaurant. Now, how many of us, when we're thinking of that, when we say that grace, are really giving thanks to God for the food? Or is it because we've done that for the last 40 years? Let's be deliberate in the things that we do. Before we complain, think about all those things that we should be thankful for. You know that song, um, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One? I can tell you, there's no one in this room that can count as high as the blessings that we actually receive from our Lord. So when we start complaining, think about the blessings that he's given us. How many times have we felt unappreciated, ignored? No one thinks about me. No one understands how much I do. No one can ever imagine the sacrifices that I make. No one's ever told me thanks. No one's ever said, well done, good job, or can I help you? Well, how do you think the Lord feels when he hears this choir of complaints every single day? Lord, why, why, why this couldn't happen to me? Oh, that person getting more, I, I need this. And no one's saying, why, thank you, Lord. Actually, I can thank you, Lord. Thank you. Can you imagine how that would sound, sound in our Lord's ear if he heard a choir of his saints just thanking him all day long because he's blessed us so abundantly? The fact, that we can, the fact that we can complain is something to give thanks about. But this is behavior that Paul is encouraging us. It may sound like rock, it may sound so simple. But do we apply these principles in our life every day? As we drive along the road and we encounter road rage, are we in an attitude of prayer? Are we going to react to the road rage with even more road rage? Do we harbor bitterness and anger? Do we really let or anger, sorry, do we release our anger at the end of the day? 
Or are we trying to figure out how we can fix that person tomorrow, or next month, or next year? Or they'll never get away with it, because I'm going to get them before I die. That's not what the Lord expects of us. If we are thankful for what Jesus Christ has done for us, and we say we are surrendered, and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we want to model Christ in our life, well, if you're real about that, and you're serious about that, look at what Christ did. At the end here, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. That doesn't mean, it doesn't say anywhere there, submit to one another if she does this or he submits first or they behave a certain way. We submit one to another. A lot of the times in our lives, we look at people and we say, boy, that person, that person is so hard to love. But quite often, people have not been exposed to love and have never learned to love. But the one place they should be able to learn to love is in the body of Christ. And that should come unconditionally. And submitting to one another, you know, a lot of husbands like to get away with this one. You know, and Ephesians says, the wife submit to the husband, but the husband only is supposed to love the wife. But right here, we're supposed to be submitting to one another as Christians, regardless. Jesus Christ, knowing the kind of people that we are, murderers, we killed him. He came to save us and we killed him. He knew we were going to kill him. We knew we were going to be fighting among ourselves. We were going to be a miserable bunch of people. But he decided, you know what? I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to come down, be like them. I'm going to sacrifice myself for them so I could be the example to them and so they can have eternal life. It sounds like a tall order for us, but we are commanded to live that way. Put ourselves below the other person. And it's not impossible. It's easily possible. Why? Because we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's the only way it'll happen. Now, as a cross-reference here, I've got Philippians 2, 3 to 5. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That letter was written to the Philippians and also to the Bahamians. Go and do ye likewise. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Oh, Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Father, we just pray that you would order our steps so that you would be glorified in us, that you would truly represent Christ 
as we relate to each other and to the world at large. Father, we pray that as we leave this place, that you would grant us safety, give us opportunity. May we recognize the opportunity that you give us to represent you, to serve you as we relate to each other. That, as has been asked for before, that your ministry would be expanded and the world would know that indeed you are Lord and Lord of all. Through Christ's name we pray. Amen.